This week, we are discussing the new type of banking or fintech. So they have all sorts of names. They're called internet banking, online banking, digital banking, and neobanks. It basically means it's a bank that doesn't have a physical branch. Yeah, more than um, that. Do you want to explain a bit more, then about them? The, the so so ne- neobanks, online banking, that's been going on for years. And... In a way, what we call internet banking, when we talk about people like First Direct, they've also been going around for years, but they're effectively traditional banks offering services online. Neobanks are very different. So neobanks are not traditional banks at all. They don't have all of that infrastructure and they don't have all of that cost. And so they are market disruptors, whereas First Direct wasn't, or online banking for HSBC is not. If you're talking about people like Starling Bank, or you're talking about Monzo, they are a very different type of bank, really. They generally only do current accounts. They may start to do loans, but they don't do a lot of the traditional like mortgages. They don't do that kind of banking. That's not what they're about at this stage anyway. But what meant that suddenly, you know, for however many centuries we've had banks and they are an institution, what meant that suddenly all these new banks could pop up? The main thing was open banking, which basically says you can't hold people inside your banking thing if other people want to use other apps to interact with your banking that's totally fine and so what that allowed you to do is then become effectively an open bank with enough capital and so you've got all the same access of of a current account without actually having to be a bank I don't understand. Surely you are a bank. Even if you're a Monzo, you're still a bank. You're not a bank that's offering things like mortgages, loans, all of that. You are literally offering a single part of that service, which is current account facilitation. A lot of these new online ones are boasting great loans. In fact, there's one that you're using. Ah, yes. Now. But when they first started, Starling Bank was literally a current account. Monzo was a current account. That's all they offered. They didn't offer you anything else at all. Starling was started by someone, I think, from Barclays who decided that she could do the banking better and went off to start. So that was one of the very first. Because they don't live anywhere, because they're not anywhere, you don't pay. So originally, what the reason why people, everybody got a Starling account and everybody got a Monzo account is because when you spend abroad, You don't pay transaction fees. You're not doing a transaction from the UK to Spain. They are the internet. They are wherever you are. You say that you don't do transaction fees. And this is my worry about moving to these online banks. If you look at what they're really saying, they're saying you can get money out of the cash point abroad free up to £200 a month. Now, we all know when we go on holiday, we need about £200 a day if you've got a family. And so... They're meant to be cheaper, less fees and things, but they give you no interest at rates. I assume just because they can't, because they don't hold so much money that they are able to invest and do that. And there are hidden fees that you have to be quite careful of on some of them. They all have USPs, don't they? So they're all slightly different, but they say that you can open it up in nine minutes. If you try and open up a bank account with one of the traditional banks, even if you do it online, it takes weeks. They're all really into the fact that they can send you notifications when you spend, which I find atrocious because I don't want to know. They have really good ways of helping you save. So they're very appy and they are an app. You have to have a smartphone. 
every time you spend something, they'll round it up to the nearest pound and put that money in a special savings account to help you save. One of them, I think, called Plum, actually helps you invest in stocks and shares. But again, because they're small, their fees have to be higher because they don't have the volume of the larger banks. So perhaps it is changing a bit because when I just checked today, they didn't really seem to have many fees and that was good. And Starling is voted the number one bank in the UK at the moment. They're not paying for bank branches. They've got much lower costs than, for example, a Barclays bank where you have to go in and see people and they have to man it and they have, you know, they don't have those type of services. So they are much lower cost. Also, no one's earning interest really at the moment. I mean, you might think you're earning interest, but it's lower than the rate of inflation. So you're not earning interest. You're losing money with anything that you save at the moment anyway. Yes, they'd say, oh, you know, it's a zero interest. And generally, you do pay like either a yearly or a monthly account fee, let's say £5 for an account. And that's to pay for all the bits and pieces that put it together. But I've got a Starling card. If I spend that money, £200 in Spain, I don't pay then a bank transaction charge of when you get home and you realise that there's all these £3.50, £4.50 bank charges that gone through your account. They're not there at all. The cash point. Starling is the one that you can take as many cash withdrawals as want when you're abroad. So that's good because the other ones do charge. Starling is very niche into that holiday money yeah but most of them say we won't charge you for 200 pounds a month but really they're much cheaper banking overall they're cheaper banking that's how they work yeah they do little things like it's really easy to share bills it's really easy to borrow little bits of money it's really easy to become more aware of your spending habits that's what they're about they're trying to help you understand how you spend and therefore how you save from that side of things they're really good but are they safe that's the thing you need to look out for if you are deciding to go to an online only bank and are you in a good internet area because it is purely online some of them now you can pay in checks i think monzo and starling you can pay in checks and cash which is great but you need to check that they are fscs regulated the financial services compensation scheme some of them are so your eighty-five thousand pounds is safe yeah but some of them follow the financial conduct authority which means that they put your money into an account in a bricks and mortar bank which sounds quite weird so that if they go bust your money is there in the bricks and mortar account but if the bricks and mortar account went bust you would lose that money so i would not go anywhere near these online banks unless they are the proper fscs that you get your 85000 yeah i mean in. i wouldn't be going for johnny's new time bank but like and the main the- players are fairly safe starling is fairly safe monzo is fairly safe if you look at the uptake young people love these banks well they it's all on your phone. phone yeah and i and also, hate having to go to a branch well i was trying to think when was the last time i went to a branch i think the last time i went to a branch is because i had to open up an account for one of my children that's an interesting thing actually the online banks for children so go henry is a great yeah. online bank for children and you can start them younger i think than you can a traditional bank but there's quite a hefty fee on that 
And so because they don't have the clout in some areas, they are charging. But on, but it's on not looking... that hefty a fee. It's five pounds a month. You can have as many children. Now, if you've only got one child, yes, it's probably quite expensive. But I use GoHenry, all my three children, that's how they get their pocket money. They've got their cards. It means they can go to town and buy stuff. I don't have to keep shelling out cash to them to pay for their phones. That can all be done online. So in many ways, it's much easier than me going to Lloyd's and trying to open up a young person's account, which is going back and forth and signing bits of paper and sitting in a room for a meeting for 30 minutes. I haven't got time for that nonsense. Really. And there, I think, is the difference, isn't it, between these online banks and the old traditional ones. Time wasn't such a problem or an issue then, whereas now time is everything. And the fact that in three clicks with your thumb, you can get something done. That's what people want. And that's why they're being taken up so well. But I was laughing. You said, you know, you've got to go for the slightly more established ones. The ones that you don't want to trust are all the ones with really random names like Bunk and Pocket and Anna and... Well, Anna's all right. The Royal Bank of they... Scotland tried one called Bo, which I just thought, mm-hmm. why are you calling it Bo? It just sounds so silly. And obviously it's gone bust. They have, yes. And all the snazzy names don't fill you with confidence when it's a bank. You want someone to be slightly more serious than that. I mean, we hear a lot about Bitcoins. Is Bitcoins anything to do with these online banks? It can be. Some of them. Some of them allow you to do Bitcoin trading. Each bank, as you said, is quite specialised in what it does. So the two main players are Monzo and Starling. They're fairly safe. But you may have some specific requirement that you need, like you trade in Bitcoin or you have a large Bitcoin wallet that you want in a safer place. And because they're largely non-jurisdictional, so they don't live anywhere, they can do things like run Bitcoins in some of them. What should you know if you're trying to set, are these banks here to stay? Will the bricks and mortar ones disappear? I think if you look at it, it's a very generational thing. If you look at the take-up of these, the very young, when I say the very young, like 18 to 25, they are almost entirely use these things. The much higher, like over 50% use these types of banks. You get into the over 50s, hardly anybody uses them, except for very specific things like I do with Starlink. I just use it for holiday money. I don't use it as my main bank account. But that's because I'm just used to, you know, I'm too lazy, to be honest. I think they will become more prevalent. I think that you will get less and less traditional banks. Not that there'll be less banks, but there'll be less branches. There already are, because people just don't go, and they're expensive to run. And I think a lot of the traditional banks will go to a much more internet model. I'm with Lloyd's, and I've been to a branch once in the last five years. I mean, I can do everything already on my app, and I can do save the change if I want to put round it up and make the change go into my savings account. That's already available in the app. So a lot of what I do is already done. What will become interesting is how much of a problem will be having an actual branch be, you know, just like retailers go, well, it's all right for Amazon. They don't have to pay rates or tax in their case, but it's all right for online retailers because they're not paying to have staff sitting there waiting for customers to come in. And therefore they are by their very nature cheaper. It will be interesting to see if that happens with banks, that we lose banks off the high street. Because these are all online and tech, digital industry can be quite volatile. Is there going to be another bursting bubble and these things will all just sort of fall away with everyone's money, digital money just disappearing? Isn't that a real possibility? The same way as you probably go to one of the big five high street banks when you banked, you didn't go to Johnny's one-time bank to put your money in it. The same with digital banks. Yeah, 
maybe unless you're interested in it maybe don't be going for the untested unknown startup <laughs> banks because they give you a really nice customized bank card <laughs> yeah and they give you 250 quid free you know and they're all quite niche in what they do there's one called tandem that's purely about people that are going abroad a lot and therefore not having to have this transactional fee issue but also there's a lot of online business banks more so than personal ones which look quite interesting because you talked about open banking which i wanted to come back to open banking means that anybody with your permission, the bank has to allow them to have access to your account. If I say to Monzo, you're allowed to go and look at my Lloyd's bank, then yeah. Lloyd's have to let them. They didn't have to let them before. So they then have to let their algorithm to go in and be able to assess transact. it, come back to you, yeah. transact. So this is how you're saying that these banks have been able to pull the wool away, understand what it is they're doing and how they can better serve customers yeah because previously banks would just go oh no you can't connect to our system and that sort of protected the traditional banks because only they could do certain things but now they can't have that monopoly they can't have that protection so now loads of people are coming and going actually you don't need to be a bank to do all of this stuff you facilitate money moving around which surely paypal was the first one that did that paypal's interesting in that way yes because it's really it's a payment gateway it's a payment processor so basically what happens is you make a transaction it sits in your balance but traditionally you weren't able to do much with it other than pay by paypal again or put it into your own bank account yeah so, so it's like it's, stripe as well it's just a transaction yeah, place. It's just a payment gateway it's a little bit bigger than that because it's ebay so stripe Every so often it pays out into your bank account, whatever your standing balance is. It might be weekly or daily, depending on your volumes. With PayPal, it's slightly different because you can hold a balance in PayPal that you can then spend again. So it's more of a payment processor plus when you get to PayPal. But that's developed. Originally, it was just a payment processor. It meant you could pay abroad. What I find interesting about the business online banks or neobanks is they are integrating with your accounting software as well. So at the moment, my accounting software has access to my bank. Yeah. It knows everything that goes in and out and it can... Do your reconciliation for you and all of that. Nonsense. Exactly. And what these business banks are doing is they're being the bank and the accounting software. So they're bringing it all in together, which I think is quite interesting and very helpful. And I might look yeah. at that. I think I'm going to get an online bank. I think I will keep one of my main banks. But yeah. as you say, there's no interest coming from anyone. And I like that these guys, these online banks, is they're purely thinking of online. So they're purely thinking of the user experience of making your life easier and better. Yeah through this mobile technical hookup that we all live and they're not set in their ways and they're trying to push barriers whereas the old banks they've got a lot of other things to think about they've also got huge financial sides huge investment sides they've got to think about their branches and their people so they're not able to be as agile and changing so i think getting into one of these is quite interesting and useful and what you've just pointed out to me as well is i spend a lot of money transactions abroad just for what I buy for work and I'm yeah. always paying interest fees on all these transactions but what you're saying is from the UK if I buy something that happens to be from the states even if it's a surface or a, a piece of digital you, you software pay for it in dollars so you don't pay the pound to dollar transaction you're paying for it directly in dollars so yeah. it doesn't matter what currency it is you just pay as if you're in that country 
as if all your money was that money. You don't. I and mean, that's saving rate. me good money. It's worth looking at, and it's, you can set it up quite quickly. At the beginning, you were like, "Oh, they tell you, you know, what you're spending on." You'd be surprised what you find out you're spending money on that you didn't really think about. Well, I must have cancelled a number of subscriptions that I hadn't even realised I still had. That's a really good point. We've talked about subscription services and people just holding on to them because they forgot or they can't be bothered yeah. to cancel it. And a monthly outgoings yeah. are huge. If, when you get a thing, you've spent $42 with future mags and you're like, what? So that's really clever. And they probably help you stop it because a lot of these online banks I notice are using algorithms to start to tell you, right, you're spending this amount of money on food, this amount yeah. of money on entertainment, this amount of money on work. And that helps you go, oh, okay, I could improve here. It is clever. It does yeah. help you streamline. It helps you manage your money that we've always just had to take the time to do ourselves, whereas this helps you get into a better mindset. It's a bit like meditation or mind, body, feel good for your bank account. Exactly. And also like, the second side of this is that it will make traditional banks have to provide better services. But what happens when you lose your phone or it gets stolen? You've still got a card. True. So you can still buy another phone, log in as you did before. Okay, just checking. So what about security? Surely, if someone steals your phone, they're going to be able to hack into your bank account. Well, it depends how you secure your phone. It depends how you secure your bank account. The way it works is that you have a number of safeguards on it. For instance, it's fingerprint. So you have to do your fingerprint, then you have to put your passcode in, or you use some sort of authenticator. Now, usually that's on your phone, so it's not brilliant. But because these are online banks, it's their second nature to, I mean, yeah. getting in back doors and things is not possible. But let me tell you something. I sandpapered away my fingerprint, so I couldn't get into my phone or my bank, which was incredibly annoying. Yes. I didn't know Why that you Why would you do that? You can sandpaper away your identity. That's an interesting. Why would you do that? I don't know, but uh, I did. Probably um, outside their testing regime. What happens <laughs> if someone <laughs> sandpapers their fingerprints? Well, they have to wait till they come back. And they are starting to come back. I'm starting to be able to access my phone a little bit now. <laughs> but the banking, that was quite annoying. So it kept going, no, it's not you. No, yeah. definitely no. not you. Oh, You've I chosen think to verify by your fingerprint. Yes, but I haven't got a fingerprint right now. Ah, well. Exactly. <laughs> it is a problem. But yeah. I think I'm going to set up an online bank flip quickly, actually, about the loan account that you talked about the other day. So that's Zopa. That is, people can invest. So you can say, I would like to invest £50,000 lending money to people, which is what banks do, let's be honest. And they'll say, right, well, how risky do you want it to be? Do you want to lend it to people that are definitely going to pay it back or would you like more interest a higher rate of interest but then higher risk that these people you know they're more dangerous to lend to which is exactly what banks do the better your credit rating the lower you pay your interest this is exactly how it works but this is instead of a bank doing it this is individuals saying i'm going to invest four thousand pounds into zopa i'm going to oh, i want a five percent return that means it's fairly safe there might be other people who go well i'm going to put a thousand pounds in at fairly safe a thousand pounds in at medium risk and i'm going to put a thousand pounds in at high risk and see how it works out for me so this is stocks and shares really well, it's just no. lending money it's literally lending money instead of saying right i'm going to sit five thousand pounds in my bank account earning no interest what i'm actually going to do is i'm going to lend it to other people in order to earn interest 
which is what a bank does, theoretically. I mean, banks just magic money, but, you know, we all imagine what they actually <laughs> do is lend money that they already have, which is not what they do, but that's how we imagine it works. And that's how it should work, really. Is it just loaning and borrowing, or do you have your current account and things there as well? See, I don't know them from that side. I only know them from the lending and borrowing. It's just an interesting way of saying, well, rather than a bank lending it to you and, and basically keeping all the money themselves, we've got people who said we've got money that's sitting in their bank account that's not making them anything. And we've got people who want to borrow money who are quite happy to pay a little bit of interest. Which leads me on to apps and business models like Klarna Which that let you about. buy things and then pay it back over some months, a year, whatever you want. So again, you have an app, you buy something, you pay nothing and you go, I'll pay X amount for 14 months or something. So it's basically a credit system. Yeah, but you don't pay interest. But I'm undecided whether it's good or bad. It's helping you afford things that you can't afford. But you don't pay interest on it. No, obviously you get a bit stuffed if you can't pay it back. I don't know what happens. But you don't pay interest. No, their business model is the companies that use them that can offer the Klarna service to make people buy more. Pay Klarna to be able to use the service. And then Klarna lend the money and you pay it back the right amount without interest over a certain amount of time. It's better than people being charged interest to borrow things, isn't it? A lot of the reason why people can't afford the things that they buy is because of the interest on it. You think you can afford it, but then it ramps up, ramps up, and you've got this horrible final payment that you realise you can't actually afford a Range Rover. That's much more expensive than the car itself again just like these banks are disrupting the traditional bank this is disrupting the traditional loan and credit market in a good way but like gambling like anything else it's not good when people just over borrow and become indebted mentally ill from it i guess that's a chirpy note to end on yes don't get into debt whatever you do do you know i also found out this week though while doing some research on this that you're only allowed to own four gold coins well, I haven't got I, any. Well, okay. Because one of the things I was looking at is like, why don't people just buy gold or silver and yeah. use that? Its value is fairly stable. It turns out you can't. You're not allowed who, to have a lot of gold. Who says? The government. So in another country, I could have more. Oh. Yes. And also, in this country, if the government gets itself into trouble, it's allowed to claim your gold and silver. Is it? Yeah. Jewelry doesn't count for some reason. I didn't know why that was. But actual, just like gold bricks or gold coins or gold tiny little pieces. But really, you need to keep it in somewhere like Switzerland where they don't have a law that says you're allowed to just take your gold. So we better be a bit careful that all this spending that Rishi Sunak's been doing at the end of the year, he's going to say, well, you know all that spending. Now, hand over all your necklaces and bracelets and earrings, Exactly. But but that's what what freaked me out. Because normally you'd think... This would be a good time to buy gold when you don't know what's about to happen to the pound or any currency because we're just going to have to print a shitload of it to pay for all of this COVID mitigation. So you think, oh, I know, I'll buy gold. It's fairly stable. No, no, you don't. First of all, you're not allowed to buy that much of it. And B, they can just take it off you anyway. It just surprised me. It was an utterly surprising thing. Well, that's quite stopping you being able to get your hands on something good in the money market and making you only be able to get your hands on the money that is made from it by the Bank of England is quite authoritarian. Well, it's to do with having a fiat currency. Otherwise, what would happen when people got worried about your currency is everyone would fly to gold and your currency would collapse. 
So in order to stop that, if everyone flies to gold, you go, thank you very much. That's very nice of you. (laughs) I think I'm going to introduce that in Monopoly next time we play. (laughs) Thank you. I might just have that. (laughs) I'm the bank. Thank you very much for all your money. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, what are we going to talk about next week? We'll think about it and we'll keep you in suspense. So listen in. It might be exciting. It might be. Well, great to talk about neobanking with you. And speak next week. Speak next week. Bye. Bye.